It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. We left yesterday. We finished up uh, one through three. We've got Jake Ellenbogen back with us. Jake, are you still refreshed, feeling good, ready to do this? Oh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm hyped. I'm I love hyped. it. We started kind of doing the mock draft, uh, Jake's final release of his mock draft, getting ready for the draft here on Thursday. Uh, just now we're down to almost hours away, which is super exciting. And as we look at it, what we've kind of been doing is he's been giving us uh, his pick along with his original way, way, way too early mock draft that he first put out. So it's kind of fun to kind of compare where these guys have moved up or moved back in the draft or even on on Jake's own board as you kind of look at them and say, you know, I like that guy here now. And now I think it was uh, Hodge that you had in the third round. And you said, you know, I still like him, but he probably won't go there anymore and he's probably going to drop down. So kind of fun to take a look at, at the vice versa of all those things, guys, make sure to go give us a follow on all the social media accounts. You can find Jake at JK Bogan DTR. You can find me at LA underscore rambling bear as well as lockdown Rams. And of course, downtown Rams for Jake as well. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. It's out there. I'm really excited to see what you guys got store in store for, Uh, the draft itself. But you have to stay tuned to that. Uh, I'm sure they've got something up their sleeve and it's going to be fun to watch. So I'll be tuned into that for sure. But we're coming back to the draft now. Uh, We left off, like I mentioned, the third round, 99th pick. You had picked Nate Davis, the guard. Uh, We talked about how much we loved that versatility and adding depth to the O-line. And now we're back on the clock. Uh, They were in the fourth round, pick 133. What you got? Yeah, so, you know, the... Basically, to start off the fourth round, I have Will Harris, safety, Boston College. That's right. Two Boston College safeties, and there's a reason for it. There's actually two in this draft, Lucas Dennis and Will Harris. And Lucas Dennis is getting a lot of the buzz, but I will tell you right now, Will Harris, he's got the, you know, the 6'2", um, you know, size. He's a bigger safety. He's going to lay the wood, but he's also extremely fast. He ran a 4'4" uh 40 yard time. So this is a guy that can really move well. You know, I I just I love his uh flexibility. He can be a free safety, he can be a strong safety. You know, just watching him just covering everybody uh at the senior bowl. I mean, he just is such a fluid mover. Um, you know, really has uh fluid hips. Um I don't worry about any, you know, pretty much any stiffness at all. This is somebody that can take over immediately once Eric Weddle either hangs it up after the Rams win the Super Bowl this year or, um, you know, he takes over, you know, year two. But I think regardless, you grab this guy in the fourth round, you're not only getting a future starter, but you're getting somebody that can be an impact player off the bench. You know, I like Marquis Christian. I like Blake Countess. So do the Rams. So they're going to use those guys as well. Um, but, you know, somebody like, Will Harris is just, I mean, he's a game changer. And I think he's really flying under the radar. And I think the Rams who met with him at the senior bowl um, saw something in him, uh, you know, and obviously the connection with John Johnson and just what Boston college has been doing, putting in guys like Cam Moore, John Johnson, uh, Will Harris, Lucas Dennis, guys like that, just putting them into the draft. I mean, even like uh, Hamp Cheevers, the, uh, the cornerback that you need to know the name of, um, you know, just that DB, uh, section. I mean, th- there are so many guys that are coming in the league and, um, you know, I'm really, uh, even Justin Simmons, the, uh, you know, I mentioned it, mentioned him earlier by accident when saying Jeffrey Simmons, but, um, you know, Justin Simmons is, uh, you know, he's somebody that, I mean, he, he plays, uh, for the Broncos and he came before John Johnson. So really what I'm getting at here is, you know, I think they have a gem, uh, you know, in the coaching staff over, you know, with the DBs at Boston College. And I think the Rams and everyone else are, is going to start to know. And Will Harris is going to be available, maybe even in the fifth round. I'm not taking that chance, though. Fourth round, pull the trigger, get that safety. I know it will shock people because they met with all these safeties, but we've talked about before, it's a chess game. 
And sometimes the meetings, you meet with guys, you're interested, you draft them. Sometimes you meet with guys to kind of uh, maybe deter people's, uh, you know, di- different teams uh, from what you're doing, your your ultimate plan. And uh, maybe Will Harris is that type of guy. I like it. You talked about the old connection at, at BC and even them pumping out safeties. You know, you hear a lot of, you know, different universities for the longest time. Penn State was like linebacker you and. You know, here you are talking about a lot of awesome safeties coming out of Boston College. They've got something going on there where they're really just cranking out talent. Another check mark, as we mentioned at the Senior Bowl, and Les Snead, how much they love those guys. Uh, Will Harris played, you know, as you mentioned with John Johnson, so a little connection there as we're looking to uh, build youth and kind of that long term. Obviously, uh, you know, we filled that need with a veteran, but again, two year deal. So we'll see how long. Uh, Weddle sticks around and a guy that is kind of a plug and play. And we saw injuries in our secondary and a guy that, you know, may be utilized in, in year one coming in. So I like that pick. We talked about it through over the couple of weeks that a safety has got to be somewhere on this board that you're thinking they're going to get one. Uh, another class that is really deep and, and you waited again to the fourth round. You mentioned maybe even waiting to the fifth, but I like it. I like you got to go get your guy if, you, if he's there. Obviously, we've got. You know, 135, only a couple picks away, uh, but still go grab them, uh, not maybe wait to that fifth round and lose a guy you really like, especially in a need uh, at that position. So uh, this was our original fourth round pick. So you had done a that, that pre-mock pick. What was your original pick for uh, 133? Well, remember before the Jacksonville pick, we actually had the third round compensatory pick. And oddly enough, I drafted a, <laughs> I drafted a supplemental draft guy. <laughs> So in the way too early mock, I had Adonis Alexander uh, from Virginia Tech, the cornerback. That name should sound familiar because he was actually selected in the supplemental draft by the Washington Redskins. So yeah, he, uh, he didn't make it to this uh, draft class. Um, but yeah, that was he was one of the only few, right? Yeah, him and him and Sam Beal. There it is. Yeah, I was we we had extensive supplemental draft coverage on the Downtown Rams podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had Joe Curley like going up the wall. He's like, "Oh, you with your supplemental draft!" Like, like man, <laughs> I was like, "Man, if I'm the Rams, I'm taking Sam Beal." He's like, "I'm not giving up an early pick for a supplemental draft player," but you know, is what it is. Um, so the fourth round, I had Alex Bars, and since. This is the original pick. We, you know, you're probably asking, well, why don't you have another fourth? Well, because I made that trade. Remember with the Colts. So, um, Alex Bars is actually a really good guard in this draft. Now, the problem is he's dealt with a ton of injuries. So, I don't know if we'll go in the fourth round, but I don't think that was a bad pick by me. I actually like that. I like him to this day. Um, so we'll see. But you know, he's a very talented guy from Notre Dame. Notre Dame does have. You know, I, I won't call them O line you, but they have some good talent. I mean, Quentin Nelson's one of the best in the business. So, um, you know, I, I think Alex Bars would definitely be a good spot, maybe in the fifth round, sixth round. But um, that was my way too early pick. And kind of following up on Will Harris going back, you know, a little bit. The reason I'll tell you the reason why I'm picking him this early, because I don't trust Mike Mayock. You know why? Mike Mayock went to Boston College. And I posted a video early on in the year. Mike Mayock was met with uh, John Johnson before he was drafted. And, oh, my God, he just – you could tell John Johnson was going to go places. And you could tell Mike Mayock wanted to draft him, even though he was an NFL Network guy. I'm not taking that chance because Will Harris is very similar to John Johnson. Think about this. Will Harris is John Johnson if John Johnson ran a 4-4 and was, like, a super athlete. Not bad. That's the thing. People forget John Johnson, you know, they talked about his athleticism during the draft, but John Johnson didn't test that well. He just plays faster than he tests. Will Harris tested well and plays faster than he tests. So just keep that Mm. in mind. Um, Doesn't sound like a guy that should follow the fourth, but talk about all the safeties, Darnell Savage, you know, the, you know, all those guys, all of those guys. And that is why you get Will Harris, the guy that's going under the radar for no apparent reason. And I'm I'm going to take that to the bank, man. I like it. And those are the type of guys that the Rams seem to, you know, find. And like we said, that this is kind of the, the wheelhouse. Cup. Yeah, the wheelhouse of Snead. Third, fourth, fifth round. Finding those guys that have, 
you know, potentially, you know, maybe not graded out second round talent, but guys that can go out there and play. Uh, if you don't test well or, you, you know, you don't do this or that, but you can get out there and actually play football, be a football player uh, and contribute, you know, especially with the veterans and some of the skill players we have around. I think that's I think that's great. And I really hope, you know, as we're doing this, I'm getting excited. Like these are actually our picks. And I'm like, all right, Will Harris is on the team, on the team, bud. Grab a grab a jersey. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but we've got it. We've got a couple. You know, we've got a day to go before it's actually. What number are you wearing? Yeah, we're, we've got a little <laughs> bit to go still, but. Uh, so with that said, we're not too far. I mean, you did the trade, uh, so we'll keep this thing going. We're in the fourth round still. 135, this is the one we got from the Colts uh, at trading our first-round pick. Who do you got there? I got my guy Mark Fields the second from Clemson. And, yes, his dad, Mark Fields, started for the Rams at linebacker in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So that it is that same Mark Fields. So um, first and foremost, this guy – Met with the Rams at the combine. Met at the, met with them at the Senior Bowl um, multiple times, and obviously that dad connection. But Mark Fields is somebody that's a little interesting, right? He had um, some off the field stuff that went on. You know, wasn't entirely disclosed. Um, probably, you know, it was probably like a locker room team issue, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he moved past that, and what you saw in Mark was. You know, somebody that I think he became the best cornerback on that team. And he wasn't he didn't get a chance to play a ton. But when he did, he was magnificent. If you want any um, basically any way to kind of describe that or, you know, look back and like, what do you mean by like he was magnificent? Well, I'll tell you right now, Mark Fields, right? He um, he actually started in the national title game and he went up against guys like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, the third that are going to be first round picks at least, um, you know, maybe, maybe second round pick, but we'll uh, not Jerry Judy, but maybe Henry Ruggs, but the, Alabama has some unbelievable talent and, you know, he just was incredible. And then he goes to the senior bowl and all I'm hearing is Mark Fields is the best man to man corner at the senior bowl. You know, scouts are saying it, everyone's saying it. And I look at him, I'm like, you know, there's all these guys here. And I'm like, oh, my God, he is killing it. Obviously, I think it's it's really cool because I got a chance after the game to go on the field. And Mark Fields, uh, he um, he came up to me and, uh, you know, we, we had basically did an interview after the game. It was very different because I had never done anything like that. And I asked him, have you met the Rams? And he said multiple times, you know, they have a lot of interest in me. And then he just... Uh, came on the show, a uh, a podcast that just dropped. And, uh, you know, he was also awesome on there. So he's another two-timer on the, the podcast. But um, regardless of that, you know, Mark Fields, the football player, you're looking for a cornerback in this day and age to not necessarily come in right away and start. You have Aqib Tlaib, you have Marcus Peters, and you have Nikel Ruby Coleman. So those, you know, are kind of locked down. But Aqib Tlaib, this is last year. He's on a contract year. I don't think they bring him back. There's a chance he could retire. And uh, little known fact, uh, well, actually, uh, yeah, you guys will probably know, but, um, you know, Chris Harris Jr., um, you know, he's going to be traded. So maybe the Rams jump in on that mm. and, uh, you know, make this pick nothing. But um, I don't think they will. As much as I'd love Chris Harris Jr. being the Kansas fan I am and having him and Tlaib back together. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> Talib, one-year deal, one year left on his contract, and then that's it. Marcus Peters, you know, we talk about him. You know, the fifth-year option, he's not guaranteed to re-sign. You know, you could tag him. Why would you tag him, though? So he's not guaranteed to re-sign. Nikel is the only one that's locked up long-term. Even the guys behind um, you know, in the back end, you're talking about like the Troy Hills of the world. They're signed to like one year tenders. So this is why Mark Fields in the fourth round, who probably could have been a fifth or sixth or seventh rounder, he's flying way under the radar. I just don't buy that at this point. I think he has really done a nice job throughout this process. And, um, you know, the Rams obviously have interest. And so you add somebody like that, that, you know, has the ability to play man, man, um, you know, he can jam at the line of scrimmage. He can play zone. He's a, you know, ball hawk when he, when he wants to be, and he's just a really good athlete. He ran really well at the combine um, and obviously played at Clemson. So he's gone up against top notch competition. So when you talk about somebody like Mark Fields, 
he makes a lot of sense because maybe like I, he's my sixth overall cornerback in this draft and he's ahead of Trayvon Mullen, who's considered the best cornerback, you know, at Clemson, I would say it's Mark Fields. Um, Mark Fields is going to be a perfect fit because the Rams can, you know, throw out these three guys, kind of groom Mark Fields along the way. He's the fourth guy. He can be coming in, you know, in, in you know, situational roles. And then when, you know, Tlaib ends up moving on, whether it's free agency or retirement, you have Mark Fields, Marcus Peters, potentially, and Nikel Ruby Coleman. And Mark Fields brings kind of like, he brings that aggression to the cornerback room. And, and that's what I love. You know, you can tell he's physical corner and, you know, he may not be the, the six foot five, you know, crazy athlete, like, you know, physical specimen type of guy, but he's a really good athlete. And, uh, you know, I, I love this pick because I think at this point, if the Rams are able to get Cashman Saunders, Davis, Harrison fields, uh, I don't think anyone else has as good of a draft as the Rams at this point in time. And that includes the, uh, the Rams, Three first round picks. I mean, this would be absolutely knocking out of the park for the Rams to start off the draft like this. Yeah, I love it. Again, filling a need, cornerback. I mean, you broke it down beautifully about the guys. And I mean, you even mentioned Troy Hill, who I don't even think he signed his, his one year tender yet. I think he's still uh, waiting on some things if, you know, what he wants to do there, but most likely have him back. But again, on a short term uh, basis. And, you know, what are we going to do with Peters to give him the big money? I think we will actually extend Peters. I don't think we're going to let another cornerback walk we've done it over the last few years uh so maybe they stick on to one finally that they like but you're right you still have to add depth there you still have to find guys that can fill in and play and also when we talked about it when we picked up the safety was you know we saw some injuries in that secondary and it really hurt us for a while as far as having a shaky secondary on who we could count on so having a guy that can step in and plays played big games over at clemson and won big games over at clemson uh, including a national championship a uh, great pick there and that was fourth round, number 135. And that's the one that we picked up in the trade. So I, I love seeing these trade picks come back and have value here. So uh, great pick there. But what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We got through the fourth round. We'll be back on the other side with round five and six. We've got Jake Ellenbogen with us from Downtown Rams. I'm Bear Modder Lockdown Rams. Thursday edition. We'll be right back. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back Thursday edition Lockdown Rams. This is a double dipper. We've got Jake yesterday. We brought him again back today to finish the mock draft. He's kind of bringing us back and forth from uh, pre-draft to uh, his projections now. And so far, like he just kind of caught us up on everybody. Blake Cashman, uh, Saunders, Nate Davis, Will Harris, Mark Field II. Uh, sounds like a great draft so far. They sound of having these great pieces that fit. You hope that some of these guys are there. He's potentially the Rams pick at 31. This whole thing is off, but I like the way that we're doing it because I'm with you on the trade back. I uh, get extra value. And we've seen that value already come onto your board. So what we'll do now is we are now in the fifth round. This is a pick that we had fifth round 169. Jake, who'd you get? Yeah. So the fifth round, um, I got a guy that we actually had the pleasure of speaking with the, the podcast, uh, you know, is just aired. Um, and that is James Williams, Washington State running back. He's my fifth overall running back in this draft, and the dude is not getting 
any buzz and it's just kind of bothering me like because he didn't run a 4-4 like who cares he ran a 4-5-8 um somebody that played in the pack 12 his agent is none other than eric dickerson so you have that connection with the rams eric dickerson pretty much only represents one guy and it's james williams from what i can recall. wow um so i that first and foremost that's a pretty big thing Right. You know, Dickerson like actually works for the Rams. So I don't know if that's a conflict of interest, but um, you know, regardless, I mean, you know, I, I think he's got to be on the radar. Um, he had a combine meeting with them. They haven't been in like too much touch, um, but you know, the Rams, I think do need to draft a running back later on in the draft. And it has nothing to do with Gurley. It's nothing to do with Malcolm uh, coming off of injury. It has nothing to do with any of these guys, John Kelly, Justin Davis, it has to do with the fact that I love this running back class. And I think that it has a lot of talent. I think there are going to be a ton of guys that fall because this is a rare defensive line class. I mean, anytime you start off the draft with guys like Bosa and uh, Burns and, you know, Josh Allen, guys like that. I mean, it, you know, it, it's going to be crazy. So uh, because of that, I think running backs are going to fall. Uh, James Williams might even be available in the sixth round and he shouldn't. I mean, he is absolutely a top five running back for me. Um, this is somebody that can win with balance. Um, you know, he's got speed. He plays at a four, four, I would say, I think that's really what the film shows. Um, he's got unbelievable balance. He hits the hole. There's no hesitation, but he's patient at the same time. How can you be patient with no hesitation? He's just that, you know, well, you know, he's that, that well sound at reading blocks. Um, he's great in pass pro but he's also a great pass catcher. You know, he, he catches, you know, 80 balls at, um, at Washington state. He was big for the 11 and two, uh, Washington state team, as well as, um, for Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, you know? So I think that's really the, the thing here. Um, you know, I don't think that he gets enough credit at all. And I, he knows that, you know, like, I mean, he told me and Alexis, I mean, if he was at Alabama, he'd get more, you know, he'd get more buzz, but he's not. Yeah. Um, he's on the West coast. And yeah. Up in Pullman, you know, you know, you're, you don't get a lot of, uh, you get all those, you know, 10 PM, even <laughs> it seems like Pacific standard time starts. If you always throw on Fox sports late at night, it's always like Washington state and Cal or somebody and everyone else is asleep. And I, I agree. Cause actually, I actually know this guy, not personally, but just from watching, uh, you know, I also have ties to University of Washington. My brother graduated there. I lived on campus uh, with James Kroger, actually, who do the podcast with as well. Uh, so we watch, we, we keep an eye on those guys. And one of the things that you mentioned that I loved about him from watching him was he, he's got great hands. He's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And that fits in perfectly uh, to what, you know, we could use him as uh, with the Rams. And, you know, being a smaller back that he is, you know, I don't want to say he's, you know, a Tyreek Cohen or you know one of those guys, but he's got that crazy speed. He's got the really good balance and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So he's tricky. You know, you get those mismatches against linebackers and you talked about that burst that he has and, you know, he can make for a dangerous combination. And for a guy like that to be able to fall and end up in an offensive system like McVay and something that we could, you know, potentially utilize him uh, you know, at any point, even bringing him in and, and moving him around. I, I think I love I love that pick. And you're right. I'm with you. I think at some point we need to get a running back and whether, you know, again, not for Todd Gurley, just like you said, but just depth there because we're not sure of the depth behind him. You know, we're excited about John Kelly, but we don't know about him. We're excited about Malcolm Brown, but we don't know about that injury again. So to add a little depth there, a little competition there, uh, I do like that pick a lot. And you know, kind of looking back, uh, you had that. That was fifth round, 169. What did you have originally there? Yeah, so originally I had Dakota Dixon, safety from Wisconsin. He's probably going to go late seventh or undrafted. Um, he's He flashes at times, you know, at Wisconsin, uh, somebody that can also lay the wood and can, you know, go up and make that that big play. But, um, you know, I, I don't know why I had him at fifth uh, in the fifth round. Um you know, I, I was I guess I must have been high on him at the time, but um, I, I like him. I just I, I don't love him. And, you know, the way I draft, you know, with my mock drafts is I have to, like, love the guy in order to pick him at, at that spot, um, you know, until maybe the seventh round. Then I can kind of take gambles. 
but you you just want to make every pick count. And I think you know with with James Williams, I mean, just getting to speak with him, I mean, he he would love to be a Ram. Um, you know, I and he's kind of hoping maybe that connection with Eric Dickerson kind of gets him there. But um, you know, I like that. I didn't know that. That is a fun connection, and and you never know. That's I mean, you you talked about uh, even the connection with Mark Fields the second, yeah. Uh, you know how that can go. And you never know how that really kind of can just be that little 1%. You heard Les D talking about he's got 98% and there's a couple little tweaks and how that goes. And a last chat with, you know, Eric Dickerson and, you know, that might bump him up that little notch that ends up getting him picked to that position. Because again, you're talking late rounds, guys that you can take risks on and not feel so much pressure oh, yeah. on, you know, what that ends up being. So uh, I really love that pick, and I think it's funny. Uh, you even you know, as we're going through your way too early mock draft, and you're going, I, I don't know why I picked that guy there. You know, like that's how many people you've talked to over the last few weeks, and you know, and all the all the podcasts that you have done. Even looking back at your own mock, you're still going. I mean, I like him, but I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I, I love that how far we've come, and and that's what makes this kind of fun uh, talking about this and. Uh, so we'll take that momentum we'll, and we'll we'll turn it into the sixth round pick 203. Talk to me. What you got? Give me Trayvon Wesco from West Virginia. I don't know if you guys saw my tweet on downtown Rams. Um, the Rams met with him at the Senior Bowl. This is, after Hawkinson, this is the best blocking tight end in the draft. But he's got sneaky athleticism. He's got sneaky pass-catching ability. And you could be looking at like a Heath Miller type of player. Um, I absolutely think he fits the Rams. He can play H back as well. So if the Rams want to, you know, go more of a fullback role, uh, he could be like Carrier, how they used Carrier. Um, they didn't have Derek Carrier last year, so they right. didn't have anybody to go in that role. And um, I don't know if that made an impact or not. I don't know if they wanted it, you know, that too. I think if Sean McVay wanted a fullback, they would get a fullback but um but that's not what it's about you know i i just i think uh i i would probably say this you know i i would say trayvon wesco in year two could be your your number two tight end i think he's that good i think how does he fall the sixth round well i'll tell you he didn't run the fastest 40 he's not a physical specimen at tight end he didn't have crazy pass catching production, but there were games where he absolutely flashed and just his ability. You know, you watch him, he graded in my top 10 tight ends. Um, you watch him, you know, his ability to break tackles and just maintain, you know, possession of the football doesn't put the ball on the ground. You know, he's really good after the catch and he doesn't, he's not a burner. You know, he's probably a four, nine runner four eight, but this guy makes a man miss and he's like, he's like Heath Miller. Like, how did he just get 10 yards after the catch? I don't know, but he's Heath Miller. So it made it, you know, he was, he was a staple in the Steelers offense. And, you know, he was huge for Ben Roethlisberger's development because Ben Roethlisberger had everything in front of him. Obviously, you know, he had the offensive line. He had the killer defense when he started his young career, but you know, no one talks about the fact he had a guaranteed, 100%, you know, success rate, security blanket in Heath Miller. He would catch everything. And I'm not saying Jared Goff is that young quarterback that Ben Roethlisberger was, but he still is young. And, you know, there are times where he wants to lean on Cooper Cup, but, you know, he, Cooper Cup wasn't there. He, he leaned on Robert Woods. He had another security blanket to the mix, and, you know, who knows. But Wesco, regardless if he ever catches a pass for the Rams, if, you know, say this happens, Wesco's going to dominate as a blocker on all fronts. I mean, he's an absolute maniac as a blocker. And he showed out at the Senior Bowl as well. So I absolutely love being able to get this value pick here. And, and I do think it's realistic. I do think he could fall because, you know, you talk about guys like Hawkinson and Fant and Irv Smith and Caden Smith and Jay Sternberger and, Oh, the Stetson kid that I have, you know, ranked fifth way ahead of, you know, probably most um, of the consensus. But this is somebody from Stetson I think you have to keep an eye on. And I would be, you know, keep an eye on here. But I think the Raiders will grab him since uh, Gruden coached him at the Senior Bowl. Um, but there's so many guys, you know, there's so many different tight ends. 
And I just think, you know, for that reason, I think Wesco, he's not the sexy tight end that you're looking for. But if you love football, you love hard nose play, you love a guy that does everything well, then you'll love Wesco. He's an old school tight end. And and I think that's really what the Rams need to go back to. Higby, they called him baby Gronk. I don't think he'll ever reach even baby Gronk, but he's yeah. a solid player. And he's molded more towards the, you know, the modern day tight end. Um, whereas West Coast 270, 275, he's a big dude and he, he moves decently well. And like I said, he's like he's like Heath Miller. So I would just love this for the Rams. And I, I think West Coast a guy on the radar for sure. Yeah, I like it too because, I mean, you talked about where we're sitting right now. We, we have this high evaluation on Everett moving forward. We see a ceiling that you know, he can continue to excel and be that number one tight end with the speed and the the catching ability. And Higby has had some production, but he's, you know, he's coming up on the end of his contract and where he's going to fit in. Do the Rams want him long term? We'll find out a lot in this draft if, if they end up going this direction, but it, it could be a nice mix. You talked about him being, you know, six foot three, you know, 270, being able to be that you know, versatile tight end fullback, use him as a blocker and use Everett as the pass catcher. Uh, you know, and and I actually saw as we were talking, I pulled the, pulled him up a little bit, get a little bit more on him. And Bleacher Reports, Matt Miller's calling him a 10-year starter in the NFL, that this is kind of a can't-miss tight end, whether, uh, you know, he may not be that, you know, all pro every year, but a guy that is a 10-year consistency starter, uh, whether that's blocking, he can receiving, obviously not his talent, like you mentioned, not his, you know, the highest thing he can do. But again, where all of a sudden you look up and go, how did he get 12 yards? Oh, okay. Cause he's a big dude. And he's tough to tackle. And you know, he caught the ball six yards and he fell forward the extra five. So uh, I, I like this pick a lot. And again, it kind of will show the Rams hand a little bit as far as creating some competition in the tight end room and what we're going to do with Higby moving forward and, and using Everett as the number one and how that's going to kind of play out. So Again, Sean McVay coming from the tight end world. I'm sure he's got a pretty good opinion on this as well and being in his offense. So uh, great pick. I like that one there. And that was, let's see, that was sixth round, 203. Who did you have originally at that pick? Yeah, so originally at that pick, I had one of my favorite. Um, I mean, he he's a Kansas Jayhawk, uh, Daniel Wise. And Wise, I was way off on because I think Wise is going to go in the third. Um, he's a, an, you know, he's definitely an option for the Rams. Um, you know, we spoke with him on the show and he, um, you know, Daniel had, I think he had a visit. I think he met with the combine and the, I want to say the combine and the East West shrine game. Cause he actually blew up the East West shrine game. Him and Daylon Mack of Texas A&M were just turning heads all week long. Um, so, you know, he's definitely somebody that has, you know, he, he's got some buzz growing. I, if I could put money on anybody getting him, I would probably say the Cowboys. They seem to love Jayhawks and they drafted Dorrance Armstrong last year, who ironically enough was on my 2018 way too early, um, mock draft. So, um, yeah, Daniel wise, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the Rams do need a defensive lineman and, you know, if, if the Rams were able to sneak Daniel Wise in on in, in round six, I mean, they better do that. So I like it. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We've got the seventh round to get to. We still got two picks. We got 240. The most two, important round. The most important round. This is, although only getting one point on the scale, the trade value scale, this, this goes a long way in the seventh round. And the Rams have, have uh, never seemed to... Uh, give up at this point so it, it, hang tight we'll be right back third segment Jake Ellabogan Bear Motter right after this this is Vinny Iyer host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020 after George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. 
As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Third and final segment, day two of the downtown Rams and Jake Ellen Logan's mock draft. We're having a great time with this. We kind of started this as a, as a one-day project, and as we got into it, said, you know what? Let's not rush this. this seven rounds of awesome stuff and breaking down who you got, who you had in your pre-way, way, way before mock draft and kind of comparing those. I had fun doing that throughout the way and hearing about different players and how they fit and really kind of seeing this team come together through the draft. You start to figure out, you know, filling in a lot of those needs that you were excited about or thought we needed as safety, cornerback, getting an offense alignment, getting a linebacker, getting an edge guy, getting a, you know, a D tackle to stuff up that middle. So we've really filled a lot of the Rams needs and we spread it out. You know, we got a running back as well. Uh, so there's been a lot of great picks so far. But like you said, if we got into this segment, this is the seventh round. This is no time to go to sleep now because there are still players on the board uh, and still a lot of great players. So uh, here we are. We sit at 240. This is the pick that we got from the Colts going way back to the first day when we traded that first pick to them and got a handful of picks. 240. Who you got, Jake? Yeah, so this one is going to be uh, one of my sleepers here. And and you may have heard of him uh, because, quite honestly, he's just a physical freak at six foot four, uh, 238 pounds. It's Quentin Bell uh, from Prairie View A&M. His pro day went pretty much viral. Um, he ran a 4.38. He's a linebacker. And mm. he ran a 4.38. His vertical was 41 and a half, uh, 11 of uh, 11 and 11 uh, feet and four inch broad jump. Um, he benched uh, 23 reps, a uh, 709 uh, three cone drill. I mean, I'll just let you react to that. Yeah, I'm taking those in and I'm going probably because what school was that again? Prairie View A&M. There it is. I think we talked about him at some point uh, throughout the throughout our conversations, but Man, so talk to me because you know, we talk about, you know, those jump off the board numbers that you can drool over. Right. And you see a lot of the guys at the higher schools that kind of fly up the board when they put that those type of numbers together. What did you see on film? What is he like in the game? Do those do those numbers translate to what you saw production wise? They do. So while he's raw, I think he's raw because he is a former wide receiver. So you get a former wide receiver. This is exactly what the seventh round is for. These are guys, what, what the seventh round is basically for is when a, a team is willing to, you know, they're, they're like, I'm going to have to fight this guy. Uh, I'm going to have to fight, you know, 18 different teams to sign this guy to our offseason program roster, you know? And, and I don't feel like doing that because I, I believe in this guy. This guy has a chance. He, he's going to win a spot. Because they don't assume a sixth or seventh round pick is going to make the team. Never. But, um, you know, you, you draft a guy like Quentin Bell because Quentin Bell is going to make your roster. He's going to make you better. He, if you give him an opportunity, if you develop him, he can be lethal. Um, six with four, 238, like I said. You know, his issue is he's a former wide receiver. He's a super athlete. Is he a linebacker or is he an edge guy? I think he's a linebacker. Now, keep in mind, he hasn't been, he's not a natural linebacker. He was converted from a wide receiver. So you'd like to see, you know, some more instinct there. But I, I just think as he learns the position, it's all going to come. But here's where, you know, the cool Rams connection is. You know, if you heard Prairie View a and I'm not surprised because Kaderil Hodge, yeah. wide receiver for the Rams, special team ace for the Rams, went to Prairie View a and And I think we all kind of collectively fell in love with the Prairie View a and UDFA that, that worked his butt off uh, to, to make this team and eventually sued up for the Super Bowl. Uh, Quentin Bell I actually spoke with. Um, he was a great interview. And uh, he told me that he actually was roommates with Kaderil Hodge. Oh, random. 
So there it is. There's there's the Rams connection. Um, so that's cool. And then with uh, with Quentin Bell, here, here's the interesting thing. He might low-key be on the Rams' radar in another way, like where the Rams probably aren't happy that I had him on the show and had him <laughs> tell me, you know, that they met with him. Uh, this might be a guy that they're trying to keep under wraps because, you know, he went to um, – he obviously had his pro day, and he said they visited him at his pro day, and they've had multiple meetings at his campus, which – that intrigues me more so because he's not going to get a private visit. You know, we're talking about somebody that's going late in the draft, but you know, campus visits are kind of a big deal throughout the year. And he told me they met with him throughout the year. So, I mean, he might've visited with the Rams three different occasions. So this is an easy one for me. You get a guy that has unbelievable measurables. If he doesn't work, I don't really care. You know, you at least you, you, you go out and you go and you get that guy in the seventh round because why you just traded, you know, with the Colts to get us another seventh round pick. So you could do this. Exactly. So, you know, this is exactly what the seventh rounds for. It's why I was jumping for joy when the Rams had four picks in the seventh round. And I was absolutely furious when they didn't use one of them on Lyle Collins, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, I think this is a no brainer. Um, there are other guys out there. Steven Denmark was definitely an honorable mention. And yes, you did hear from you did hear about him because I did mention him on this show. Um, the Valdosta State six foot four cornerback. Oh, there's our guy. There's Valdosta State. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah, um, you know, I think Quentin Belt makes a lot of sense. I like it. Well, you talked about it. it it's exactly it. It's why you do that trade to get that extra seventh round. And, you know, as you were mentioning, talking about those trade values and how the numbers go, and you basically were left over with two points as far as how that trade worked out. And you said, Hey, well, you know, one point is for a seventh round pick. Might as well throw it in. Uh, at that point, if the Colts really want to move up, you're throwing that in there anyway. So uh, getting to take advantage of that. Uh, and it leaves us with one last seventh round pick. And that's our own seventh round pick, uh, seventh, seventh round two fifty one. Who you got there? I have Trey Pipkins, and he is an offensive tackle from Sioux Falls. If you heard of his name, he actually had a private visit with the Rams. Uh, somebody's kind of a bit of a projection, and this is why, you, you again, this is what the seventh round is for. You're not trying to fight all 32 teams or 31 teams to try and sign this guy because he's going to be a priority free agent. When they talk about priority free agent, they aren't just saying that um, you know, to make a guy feel better. There are priority right. free agents and then they're just undrafted free agents that aren't priority. Um, you know, this is a guy you get off the phone with and the draft's not even over. Like, hey, we're we're already negotiating a deal. Um, you know, teams will be negotiating a deal if this if this guy is about to not be drafted. And I, I think, you know, this makes a lot of sense for the Rams because look, you know, we we already shored up guard which then short up center. So you killed two, two birds with one stone and then say, for whatever reason, you're not really confident in the offensive tackles that you have long-term Trey Pipkins is a perfect um, opportunity to kind of develop your own guy, you know, from the ground up, um, you know, Sioux falls is not a huge school. So he's only falling this far because while he is a little raw, He's better than some of the tackles in this draft that will go higher than him, but he went, he went to Sioux Falls, so no one is going to give him that credit. So I like this pick because you add more to the offensive line room. You let Aaron Cromer, you know, kind of take this guy who's pretty much a ball clay and mold him into what he wants him to be. And, you know, that's similar to what their plan was with Nope Boom and Brian Allen and uh, Demby. And I, I don't know. I just, I like this pick. Um, you know, I, I was, it was kind of going back and forth between this one and um, shout out to our guy, Calvin Anderson, who came on the podcast. Believe it or not, Trey Pipkins did not come on the podcast. I know everyone's shocked that I didn't have uh, <laughs> that came on the podcast, but neither did Trayvon Wesco. Just sometimes when you like a guy enough, regardless if you were able, you know, if you were able to uh, ever talk to him, you just make the pick, man. You know, you you do the research and this is the best guy available. This is the best guy available. And so yeah. 
you know, I, I went a little bit with need and, and, and team position need, but you know, the fact of the matter is I think these guys are all probably the best on the board at that time. And you pull the trigger for that reason. So Trey Pipkins, I like the pick. Um, I, I can't say I love it because it's not a Quentin Bell. It's not a really flashy guy. It's a offensive tackle from Sioux Falls. But hey, you know, greatness was not just discovered overnight. Yeah, and you and you talked about kind of you know how uh, if he's not drafted that they're going to be on the phone. People, tons of people yeah. are going to be on the phone with him right away. So uh, the one of the interesting things I found about him was he was one of just five players from Division two college to receive an invite to the combine. That's out of 338 people. So obviously a lot of other people in the NFL still think, you know, he's worthy of getting a shot. And from all sounds of it, he really made his shot uh, at the combine and, and got to kind of open some eyes on him. And again, still, like you mentioned, probably a seventh round guy or undrafted, but you know, a team like the Rams that if the way that your draft falls, you know, only picked up uh, one O line and it gives them an opportunity to get another guy big size, like you said, go hook up with our uh, Cromer and our offensive line, you know, guys and really kind of mold this guy a little bit. And again, we're not looking for at this point, we're not looking for day one starters. We're looking for some depth. We're looking to build a guy. And it sounds like he's got all those tools to really, uh, you know, kind of grow into that position and hopefully somewhere down the line, uh, you know, fill in whether that's through injury or, you know, in a couple of years, if he really matures into everything you want him to be, or even at some point, the trade value, you know, you never know what you're going to need out of these guys and how they develop, but I love it. And then I guess for, to wrap it up in a sense was be, you know, what was your original seventh round last pick of the draft for the Rams? Yeah. So, um, that ends up being Byron coward, uh, edge from Maryland. Um, you've probably heard his name before cause he was a super recruit, uh, coming out of high school. Um, was the number one recruit per ESPN, I believe. And um, Coward didn't pan out. You know, he went to uh, Auburn and as a five-star guy and didn't work out. So then he transferred to Maryland, and he just doesn't have the athleticism that everyone thought he did. I don't really even know what happened, but um, I was just kind of banking on a redemption year for Coward. Would I not draft him? I mean, I can't say. I, you know, it would really depend on the situation. But there's not really, and I, I guess this is kind of along the lines, and, I, you know, I've said this before on, a you know, podcast. My biggest issue with Rashawn Gary is it just seems like, you know, the reason he's going so high in mock drafts and the reason he's going to go so high in the draft is based on his high school performance. But we don't hold it, we, we hold it against Byron Cowart, but we don't hold it against Rashawn Gary that the production was non-existent. Kind of interesting. but. At the same time, it's his physical tools and everything. But I'm just saying, you know, Byron Cowher is the same thing. You know, five-star recruit, high school darling, comes the uh, the NCAA and, you know, gets basically kicked off Auburn or didn't really get kicked off, but he ended up just, uh, you know, transferring. And um, then he goes to Maryland and he doesn't really do anything. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. Just a flop. Just, yeah, it happens, man. And it's crazy when you talk about being that high prospect and, you know, transferring to a different college and then still just not being able to put it together. That happens sometimes. Guys can't get to that next level and turn it up. But uh, never know where he will go or how that falls out. Again, people still sign afterwards and fill spots. And you always hear those cool stories, the NFL and the turnaround stories. And maybe he's one of them. But I, I love it, man. Just to recap. Uh, you know, here's basically what we've put down over the last two days is uh, Blake Cashman. Saunders was your, let's see, that was the third round, 94th. Nate Davis, Will Harris, Mark Fields, the second. James Williams, Trayvon Wesco, Quinton Bell, Trey Pipkins. And that is a Jake Ellenbogen draft, my friends. You feel good about it? I'm feeling really good. Like, I... I feel like the Rams might draft some of these guys. Um, you know, <laughs> Alexis and I are literally having nightmares, though, about like just the idea of the Rams. You know, they pick the final guy in the seventh round and all the picks are in and not one guy we interview <laughs> gets drafted. by the Rams. <laughs> um, But, you know, it, it's kind of it's the nature of the beast. You know, it's you uh, you you, dra- you you interview all these guys. You become a fan of all these guys and. 
it, it's hard, you know, the, the Rams aren't going to draft all of them, but I mean, we made our odds better than the 19 that we've, <laughs> that I did in the past. So exactly. I mean, that, yeah. Talking, playing numbers one, one twenty one, man, that is incredible. I got to tip my cap to you for just, I mean, every time we talked, you, I mean, you're on the East coast and I, and I was basically saying, let me know. And you're saying, okay, how about like midnight my time? And I'm like, you're <laughs> like, I've got like five people to talk to before. And, and I just appreciate oh, yeah. you fitting me in uh, on your schedule and talking to me and, and walking through the lockdown Rams listeners through all the people and all the film that you watched and, you know, kind of giving us an insight on those guys from all the crazy schools and guys that, you know, you were doing lots of homework on that are fifth, sixth, seventh round undrafted free agents and all that and being able to put it together. So I got to tip my cap to you and Alexis for just doing a great job over at the downtown Rams network and putting it all together because it's been fun to listen to and uh you know kind of jumping in to to listen to some of those podcasts with those guys and you talked about the character side of things and that's always really fun because you always hear about the player the player the player the skill the skill and being able to hear the human aspect of the interviews you guys did were really great to kind of listen into these guys and and how excited they are about this process whether they're near the top or near the bottom just getting an opportunity to play in the nfl and chase their dreams so Really awesome stuff, man. And like you said, hopefully some of these guys get picked by the Rams. And if not, you know, it's not always up to the Rams to be able to pick these guys. They might be coming off the board earlier than the Rams have opportunity. So probably guys that the Rams are interested in. But it just depends on how all the pieces kind of fall and who's going to ruin the day for us in the NFL and and pick guys we want. So, uh, But I got to say a big thank you again for you coming on. I appreciate it so much. We'll be looking forward to – talking to you again soon. It's almost weird. I, you know, the draft's going to be over and you're going to get, you know, instead of having like four hours of sleep a night, you'll probably get eight hours one day. And I don't even know who you're going to be like a, after this a draft. Normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So man, get some rest. You got, you know, we're down to almost an hour countdown to the draft. So guys, make sure to tune in to downtown Rams. I'm not sure what they're doing yet. They're holding it tight right now, but that, you know, I'm expecting some fun things from you guys. Uh, over the next couple of days. So I appreciate it, Jake. Thanks so much for coming on. And, and we'll be we'll be uh, keeping in touch with you here, you here soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you know, we're looking to do, um, you know, we'll have to schedule it, of course, but we're looking to do a, a, a round table of, uh, you know, thoughts on the, the draft itself. So, um, you know, for the Rams perspective. So I wanted to bring on a bunch of different Rams writers and podcasters and stuff like that to see if we uh, we can't have the, the best roundtable possible. I'm in, my man. I am so in. So, uh, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.